0: Talk to an Artist is part of 723 Ministries at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. To support our continued work in West Dallas, text LLUMC to 77977 and designate the funds as 723 Ministries. Thank you for helping us continue this important work. Welcome to Talk to an Artist, the web series where I get to interview wonderful artists who have participated in art cultivation and art distillery. Um, my name is Macy Liptoy. I'm the pastor of 723. And today I get to interview Jeffrey Colangelo. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so you've been a part of art cultivation and participating in what Art Slurry's been doing at Summit 23, um, and you di- started prison, prison movement theater, is that correct?
1: Yes, uh, although with that name, a lot of people do ask like, where did you get the prisoners? How do you, how do, you do that? <laughs> I uh, know, Prism. <laughs> yes, Prism, <laughs> Rather right yes. uh, um, yeah. than. But yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, can you say that question again?
0: <laughs> well, so I was gonna ask, um, just, for those of you who haven't got a chance to really see what you guys do at our Cultivation, why don't you take just a little bit of time and tell us about who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I'm one of the people who helped kind of uh, uh, make the idea of Art Cultivation come into being uh, with Lucila and Ilkner and Michael and... Uh, all of the really, truly amazing people there, Raph, Sergio, I mean, yeah, we, we're the guys who kind of put the first idea together. I, I remember sitting in a room with Ilkner and Raph and Karencita and uh, Lucila, and, uh, and, Luc- and Ilkner just had this kind of crazy idea for uh, a, a show, and, um, and yeah, we just kind of formulated this, this whole idea. Um. So yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> so since then, uh, <clears throat> I've been one of the directors. Uh, for the shows, uh, for uh, for pretty much we were very close to a year. Um, <clears throat> yeah.
0: That's awesome. So you really like. So our cultivation was really kind of like started from the beginning with you guys, this small group of folks, and now it's kind of exploded into this huge thing that you know
1: hopefully I can come back soon I miss that, it oh my gosh I miss it too um yeah and it, it was really a, a super exciting idea because uh, I think the idea of taking a variety show format but really trying to make it uh very community minded and trying to mix really <clears throat> really like top tier professional talent alongside some more undiscovered talent as well and trying to trying to make this feeling that all of these artists are the most exciting people you could possibly see and talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is what I think really sets our cult apart from a lot of other variety shows is is that its attitude is in service of our performers. um, And its attitude is so much about trying to elevate uh, everybody, no matter who comes into the door, elevate them to a place where they uh, really are something spectacular.
0: That's so cool. I love that. So, you know, you've been involved in productions and performance, and obviously this is not your first rodeo when it comes to theater. So how did you get started in kind of the performing arts and theater? Was there a moment where you fell in love with live performance and thought, oh, this is what I want to do?
1: Yeah, um, I actually, I come from a family of performers. My mom and dad were actors and uh, writers and so on. Um, So I was kind of I I was kind of born into it, and oddly enough, when I first, when I was younger, I hated the idea of doing acting or theater or anything else like that. I thought it was really, like, annoying that I had to go to all these auditions, and I wanted to be a scientist—the vague idea of scientist. But, um, but yeah, it was really only uh, until I hit middle school with my teacher Lisa Cameron uh, that she kind of hooked me on the bug, and I was. I was, I was trapped ever since <laughs> um, but yeah I so I mean in terms of like how I got here um, it's been a it's been kind of a wild ride I, I wanted to start as an actor and then eventually I, I just didn't like the uh, I didn't like a lot of the conditions that actors are kind of put under uh, so I ended up wanting to be a fight choreographer and direct and all these other things and um, and then I got really super into movement. Uh, it, I think especially my teacher uh, Bill Langfelder helped me a lot, and Sarah Romansberger as well when I went to college, uh, and they kind of kind of helped inspire what I eventually ended up kind of doing, which was creating a movement theater company and uh, working with the circus, and doing all the crazy stuff that I ended up doing. <laughs>
0: So Prism Movement Theater has been, has done a bunch of really incredible stuff, like sword fighting ballet and just really brilliant things that we've seen at our Cultivation. And this is kind of your creation and, you know, started from this idea of doing movement theater company. Um, So what's been the most challenging thing about creating performances for Prism Movement Theater?
1: Um, I think prism is a very unique beast uh, because, once again, we don't really use words. Yeah, sometimes we cheat, sometimes we, uh, it's always in service of the story ultimately, but it it is really definitely about trying to take narrative and dialogue and parsing it down to its most most core form of how can we understand the story without dialogue? Do we need words for this at all? And if we do decide, okay, we need some kind of word or something, to get this more existential point across, great, we do that. Uh But I think by doing that, by getting a story down to just its wordless form, uh, what we're able to do is create theater that is extremely accessible. Uh, we have, like, we're able to make a theatrical experience that, uh, that deaf people are able to understand and enjoy, that people who don't speak the language can understand and enjoy, that uh, people of any age group can kind of understand too, uh, because, uh body language is a very kind of primal uh language it, it's it's very easy to understand in a lot of cases um <clears throat> so yeah the challenge has always been like how do we boil these stories down how do we make this simple uh how like with movement language as well or gestural uh language uh the idea of uh, uh The idea of an idea or the idea of like a uh existential idea or the future or even the past can be very difficult to convey on stage because gestural language really has to do with the present and now um so we have to be very careful in crafting the stories in a way that we aren't trying to uh present ideas that are are too uh esoteric that even something as simple as like the idea of patriotism uh maybe can be like solved by a salute or this but that may not read for somebody who comes from not america and so we have to think about that ultimately uh, as we're devising and developing and then uh, the last kind of crazy trap about prism is that people can get when you're making the stuff you can get trapped in creating your own microcosm language that only you and the actors understand but you don't realize that you made a language that nobody else can understand, <laughs> and so yeah. a lot of kind of peer reviewing is really necessary as well. That we, we make sure that we are making this thing and then showing it to other people and going, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Does, does the story read still? Um, so yeah, it comes with a lot of difficulties, but I think the benefits are great. I mean. I, after working with Prison for so long, I know how to make a narrative structure like nobody's business. I have to, because if your narrative structure doesn't work, you don't have dialogue to hide it. Yeah. Uh, you don't have like, oh, excellent dialogue. I barely even <laughs> noticed that that didn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a very unique beast, but it's honestly been really fun, lovely work to do. And I think right now Prison's finally getting into that phase where. The people that we're bringing on are also understanding the core tenets of this language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kwame and Zoe and yeah. Jonah are are really starting to understand it. And I think we're hopefully starting to get other people to kind of understand what's going on and how to effectively make this type of work. Uh, and it's a very exciting kind of new place to be.
0: That's so cool. Like, I, you know, I mean, you're talking about uh, body language and the importance of driving a narrative through physicality. You know, I, I remember as a young kid learning Shakespeare and like not understanding half of what Shakespeare was saying, but then seeing Shakespeare for the first time on stage Yeah, and being like, oh, now I get Midsummer Night's Dream.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and just the importance of, of that. So um, I, I think people discount how physical of an act speaking is mm-hmm. and reading something on the page is not nearly the same as speaking something out loud. And man, Shakespeare is a really physical uh, speaking text. It, it uses so much alliteration and different things with your mouth that when you say it right, it literally contorts your face into the emotions that you need to express. Good writing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it stood the test of time for, you know, hundreds right. of years. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> what's been the most kind of, you know the challenge of creating narrative without words but what's been the most rewarding is there a story or a moment where you think back um to a moment with prism movement where you thought oh my gosh this is incredible and i want to remember this and i want to live in this for the rest of my life like this rewarding moment
1: yeah man i mean there's been a lot of them honestly yeah. i think uh i think there's just been a lot of moments i've been really proud to see happen on stage um i i mean we even even in shows that like I don't I I personally wouldn't believe they were successful throughout in terms of conveying its narrative. The narrative still got us to places where crazy things would happen on stage that you just never get to see. Um and the the shows I'm gonna list I have no judgment either way. I just think they they managed to accomplish unique things. Uh like Galatea, uh we made a paper circus and made a paper snowfall fall, and it was gorgeous. Um, Or in prison, we did a a Jackson Pollock paint war, and that was crazy. It was so much fun to see fighters dip themselves in paint and fight, and the painting they, and they would leave a painting by the end of it. Um, uh, Teotl, we had, with Katamia, we had 20 tons of sand, and it would rain sand partway through the show. Um, <laughs> just, uh, bru- uh, but in terms of like actual narr, like full on, straight up narrative success, I, I would say like bruises where we had two female MMA fighters tell their kind of story uh, in the ring was really excellent and kind of groundbreaking, mm. I-, I think, because it was, it was just such an excellent blend of spectacle and narrative uh, that so clearly got its point across. And it was gorgeous to watch. It was one of my absolute favorite shows that we ended up doing. Um, yeah, I, I think I think in some way, uh, for the most part, every single Prism show that we've done, I think there's always a moment or a, a something that is take-home worthy and just like, wow, I've never seen that on stage, or I, I've never, or, wow, I honestly, this story would have been impossible to tell with words. That doing it wordlessly gave it such a deeper meaning and such such a deeper experience um yeah there's just been a lot I, I've been very I think there's a lot to be very proud of and happy with
0: that's awesome so I know you kind of mentioned some of your favorite shows is there an absolute like dead-on favorite performance and this could be with Prism or with another theater company that you think like this is by far my favorite experience in live theater
1: yeah um I think, uh, like, I'm biased towards a lot of the Prism shows. I'm not going to bother listing them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listing the ones that I really <laughs> like. I think each one of, is a precious little baby. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of outside of Prism, uh, some of the, I think the shows that stick with me to this day, I saw a production of the flick at Undermain, mm-hmm. and that was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it, it, uh, it also means a lot to me, too, because... Um, One of my old, uh, one of my friends, uh, Jared Wilson, who unfortunately passed, uh, was in it and he probably gave one of the best performances uh, I've ever seen. And it honestly had me sobbing in the car. Um, And it was just gorgeous. And then, uh, um, uh, oh no, unfortunately the name of the show is escaping me and that's really sad. Uh, but it was a production that was done at Theater Three, and it had the the folks from the drama club, and it was a uh, it was a musical. It's so annoying because one of my board members is was in it, and she was oh, excellent. I no. Can't remember the name. It <laughs> ah! was a really excellent musical. It was so good. Um, uh, On the eve. There we go. There we go. On the. <laughs> That was gorgeous, set design was incredible for it. It was a really fun musical. But one of my favorite parts of that musical was that people, Miriam, I remember specifically, I was watching it and there was a part in the show where people, the performers would go up to you and they'd give you a note. And it was just mm. a beautiful, sweet little note, like you are valued or, mm. uh, or like, you know, I see you or whatever it is. And it was, it was just such a, it was done so earnestly that it was, just such a wonderful take home. Like I, I took home that note, and I got to take home the show in that way. And it's mm. really excellently done. Um, yeah, I, I think. And then uh, Artillery's um, <clears throat> Generations of Adam is another mm. one that sticks with me too. I, technically, I was in it and experiencing it yeah. uh, at the same time, <laughs> but uh, but I really really enjoyed that one. I thought they did such a good work, and I think I think immersive theater ha- has, has a hard time sometimes being immersive, quote unquote, where it's like, mm-hmm. let's sit down in a dinner table and watch a show. And that's not really immersive, it's, it's dinner theater, which is great, I love dinner theater. Uh, but a true immersive, I think Stillery is one of the few companies that actually has a handle on how to do it right and do it in a way that is genuinely immersive theater. Uh, it, it's just so technically proficient. Uh, Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) I must say, I, I, Generations was my first experience with immersive theater, Mm -hmm. and just the way that you can, you knew that there were stories happening all around, but you still were guided through a narrative, because I was really, like, I was confused, and I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna know what's going on, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh, I know exactly what's happening.
1: And that's what was so impressive about Generations of Adam, is that a, a lot of other immersive theaters, I'm like, Okay, I'm just going to try to put this puzzle together, and uh, I hope I get something out of it. And and they, yeah, it, it feels like a lot of times in other immersive experiences, somebody just takes the whole puzzle box and they just kind of dump it on the floor and they're like, figure it out, deal with it. But somehow with stillery, it still had the fun of exploration, but the the narrative was still so clear that you mm-hmm. still you still knew what was being ultimately said. Exactly. Uh, that being said, too, I also thought the previous production, uh, Dirty Turk, uh, had one of my favorite moments where the grandparents died. Spoilers, mm. uh, and and Saffron and Katie Chan were uh, the grandparents, and they took off their giant puppets to actually die, and it was that was great too. I I really enjoyed both of those productions. Um, sorry, my phone is blowing anyway.
0: No, <laughs> that's so, yeah, it's just an incredible experience to have and be able to be part of art Stillery, what they're doing. Um, so in creating and being part of something that's almost brand new, you know, you, you've created Prism, you've helped create art cults, you've been part of just new things all around. Um, what inspires you to create? I know this is a weird time where we're all kind of short on inspiration or feel kind of inspirationally dry, so is there a consistent well you go to to feel inspired
1: I think I keep telling myself what would I want to see or what have I never Mm. seen before and most specifically combining those two of what have I never seen before that I would want to see yeah um and I think when I keep asking myself that and I go to I, I know it sounds shallow but if I go to the core idea of like you know I've never seen this crazy thing happen before let's build a narrative around that Uh, it's kind of backwards a lot of people are like I want to tell a story Mm -hmm. but I think when I do that I I get inspired to make it come into being to make this crazy idea actually happen like just the idea of the sword ballet Uh, it started with like okay I want I feel like uh, I've never seen I've seen ballet dancers dance with swords uh, and I've seen sword fighters fight uh, in a way that might be a little flamboyant, but I've never seen dancers genuinely fight with swords and live in a new language and so like I got people together and try to figure out a new language with that and I honestly I, I think it, it's so cool I think it's one of my favorite things I've gotten to create is this I, it's getting to blend these two worlds that I really love so yeah.
0: That's awesome. I like that. I like the idea of starting with whatever like you're interested in because I think a lot of people <clears throat> when they create they try to force themselves to do what someone else does and how someone else yeah. creates. I,
1: I think I think oddly enough narrative and story can be oddly uh constricting in a lot of ways uh because you narrative has to still kind of, especially western narrative has to still kind of follow these beats that happen you have, you know beginning, rising action, climax, falling action, conclusion. Mm-hmm. And you have to fit those. And so when you're doing that, you get stuck in making good story, but you don't get to make the cool, crazy stuff that like makes it really pop or makes mm-hmm. makes your climax even more of a climax. Um, yeah, I agree with you totally. Yeah. Um,
0: so speaking of kind of narrative and story and, you know, finding new ways to tell a story, um, if you could recommend a book or a film, because I know some people hate to read, so I want to make it accessible for everybody, um, for everyone to read or watch trying to stay at home, kind of weird place that we're in where we can't leave our apartments or our houses or whatever, um, what would be your recommended literature or, uh,
1: film? Yeah. Film to watch. Um, hmm. Okay. Actually, uh, one second. I have to look it up real quick. Um... It's all good.
0: So we have technology, so we can do this.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's gorgeous. Uh, okay. So I just recently watched this one film that I thought was really interesting. Let me make sure it's the right one. Yes, it is. Great. Uh, it was on Netflix. It's called The Platform. Uh, it is a Spanish horror film, uh, sci-fi horror film. And, uh, Basically, the premise is that prisoners are in a tall tower that is a certain number of floors high. Mm-hmm. And people are, and a platform uh, descends on this uh, prison, slowly going down uh, all the way to the end. And uh, the catch is, is that they fill the platform with amazing food at the very top, food that everybody could possibly want but it stops at each floor and at each floor, um, people get to eat their fill. The catch of course is as the platform continues to go down, there's less and less food. And depending on how greedy people are at the top, people at the bottom get nothing. Uh, So it's a a super heavy handed uh, metaphor on capitalism. Uh, But I enjoyed it a lot. people may have different feelings on the endings, but I enjoyed it a lot. And I thought it was a really kind of very interesting film on what we're experiencing now in a lot of ways. Um, So I would suggest watching that. I think it'll be, it'll certainly be different and interesting. It's really cool to see these Spanish horror actors like kill it like you can tell star power no matter what language because there are certain actors in there that you're like oh you're a big deal aren't you because you're really good (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh but yeah it's really i think it's a really excellent film to watch i enjoy enjoy that one that's awesome
0: that's a great suggestion how interesting what like what an interesting concept yeah (laughs) so um this is a question that i ask everybody and i don't send it to you beforehand because i want you to give me your honest kind of like gut reaction Um, but I ask everybody that if you could broadcast one or two sentences, if you need the extra sentence, um, if you could broadcast one or two sentences to the whole world, and everyone would really understand it, really soak it in, really let it kind of take root in their lives, what would that message be that you would want to get across?
1: Uh, Black Lives Matter. Love it. (laughs) Honestly, yeah, I think that's the main one that we need to get across. Or, and, slash... Wear a mask. Um, (laughs) Those are the two main ones. I think most other things uh, anybody has to say is kind of superseded by those. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) I love it. I think that's great. I mean, that's really kind of, you know, that encompasses kind of the state of our world right now and the needs we have, so yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, Yeah. Uh, Is it okay if I do a shameless plug?
0: Absolutely do a shameless plug.
1: Excellent. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Everything Will Be Fine opens at the Latino Cultural Center. Uh, uh, it's a drive-in theater show. Uh, the, the actors' cars are used as lighting and, uh, and set pieces and architecture. It's a crazy show. It's really fun. Kwame did the choreography for it and uh, co-directed it with me. Um, Zoe uh, Kerr wrote it. Jonah did an amazing job with lighting. Uh, And I produced it, but either way, it is going to be really cool. We're actually sold out this weekend, but we have another weekend, uh, July 10th and 11th. And uh, we're working on a deal where we probably will go on tour uh, throughout the Dallas area, providing this service to any community, including uh, underserved communities. So we're really super excited about that. I think we're going to Pleasant Grove next, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's super exciting
0: awesome so the next weekend it'll be open will be which weekend
1: july 10th and 11th we're skipping uh, july going straight to 10th and 11th
0: awesome all right so folks so buy your tickets for july 10th and 11th everything will be fine if drive-in movie theater kind of live theater thing it's gonna be really really cool so be sure to come out and support prism movement theater and jeff thank you so much Joining me today and for giving of yourself to art cultivation and for making incredible things happen for artists in the city of Dallas.
1: I can't wait to see art cult happen again. I'm very excited. We'll be praying.